And remember, <sighs> there was... Um, we're listening to... <clears throat> Live Jack Smith haunts deranged Trump as Trump's vile deposition is released. And more... This was actually published three weeks ago, but there's some really great stuff on Alvin Bragg being the only successful... And if there's a crime, there's a crime in each of the scenarios that exist. And the crime with Trump, again, has nothing to do with sloppiness. From a public perception standpoint, would it bolster the ability of MAGA extremists to now basically conflate the issues? From a PR propagandist perspective, it absolutely has an impact. From a law and the legality, and based on the grand jury testimony, and likely facts that we don't yet know how Donald Trump was utilizing those records, because we know when the Saudis show up and start putting hundreds of millions of dollars and billions of dollars into family members' accounts, you think that Donald Trump, whose deposition we read, talked, Russia, 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 you think that guy <laughs> is not at a dinner or or a lunch with MBS or some other Saudi official and saying to them, you want to know the real thing? You want to know what's really going on? I'll let you. You don't think that's going down? Well, if you don't think that's going down, I've got a $1,000 Trump dollar bill and NFTs to sell you because I guarantee you that's what Donald Trump is doing. And I think Jack Smith's going to do his own thing. You know, and I think there's a lot of facts there that we don't yet know. Again, for me, my target date of indictments, when I think Donald Trump will ultimately be indicted by special counsel Jack Smith, I still think it's April, May. I still think the indicators we've talked about on the show suggest that, but we will see. You know, I, I, I think it may be later. I think there's already whispers. I saw something recently where now they're talking about summer indictments, which means they're whispering into the press's ear that it's not going to be as fast as they thought. It's going to be even after your April target date or beyond it into the summer. Well, you know, let's talk then about attorney general. I, I think he's going to be indicted. Um, let's talk about, though, attorney generals. Um, you know, let's talk about DAs and let's talk about the, their action because they're getting aggressive now, too. You know, and why? The elections are over, right? And so they have the ability to reopen investigations. That's precisely what Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel has yeah, done. Yeah, do it, do it, motherfuckers. The fake electors in her state, 16 fake electors in Michigan, just like those 16 fake electors in Georgia that the District Attorney, Bonnie Willis from Fulton County, is looking into. But District Attorney oversees the county, AG, Dana Nessel, the whole state. But she's opening up a criminal investigation into the fake electors in her state. And these are some top Republican people, the co-chair of the GOP party there, people who submitted their names on false certificates for Donald Trump, even though Biden won the state by like 255,000 votes. I'm going after those people. Those were crimes. And I ain't taking crap from anybody. But, you know, and, and look, you have some very, very, very strong leadership right now in Michigan. Michigan is one of those states that's kind of doing the reverse Florida, right? Florida's going from kind of purple to red, and Michigan's going from purple to kind of blue. Because they stole the, elect and, and they stole the election. They stole the election. Governor, 
Washington's the AG. Trump admit confessed to it on his true social. He fixed the 2018 gubernatorial race. What's going on in Michigan? Yeah, listen, I like the fact that that's reelected. Y'all got to talk about this. They got to talk about how. What? Let me get on my other podcast because this this podcast. Thank you for forty five k plus <clears throat> listeners, but I'm being hacked and and geofenced and captive portal. <clears throat> captive portaled. <coughs> Check here in 48 hours, okay. Um, <clears throat> Guten Morgen, and uh, how is your job in America? Anyway, y'all need to speak the F up. Okay, y'all need to speak the F up. Use your voice. <clears throat> we don't live in a communist Marxist, socialist, national socialist. Well, actually we do. We live in a national socialist country. We live in a national socialist country because the Christo-fascists have taken over. And I want everybody to speak the F up. Make some noise. And uh, as we go uh, over things... The political situation, like Ben Micellis is pointing out, how in Michigan, the um, Michigan, uh, like a what is it, Southern Michigan or uh, Attorney General, has actually forwarded this case of fake electors in Michigan to the feds, but the feds haven't fucking done anything about it. So for some reason, so. That's where the public comes into play. That's where you come into play. That's where I come into play. Of <clears throat> Make some calls. It's free to make a call in the United States now. So make a fucking call. Don't be so fucking lazy. Americans are so fucking lazy. So, um, you know, fortunately we have people like Ben Micellis to uh, give us the scoop. Oh, fuck. This is from... Everyone is talking about this new ice hack that has been on the news lately. <clears throat> it says drinking this ice water can flush one pound this of This is from Midas Touch. Yeah, listen, I, I like the fact Jack that Smith haunts deranged Trump as of Trump's vile deposition is released and more. It was actually published two weeks ago, but there, there's a good part here that everybody should hear. I think you're right about the state becoming solidly more blue. Um, the win was tremendous <clears throat> by Biden. It wasn't quite... But uh, I wanted to say about Florida, okay, that's not, that's not natural. Florida isn't naturally going, becoming a red state. It's because fucking DeSantis and death sentence, because it's a fucking death sentence to live in a state, um, and because he's heavily re- re- invested in Regeneron, and he's done some fucking human trafficking with Abbott, the governor of Texas, and, and so y'all need to speak the fuck up. Go on social media, become keyboard warriors like the like the fucking magatards. As high as you said, it was one hundred and fifty-four thousand, but it was a three-point win for Biden. It wasn't close, but uh, you know the Republicans are always targeting Michigan. Uh, Trump said in a True Social post a couple weeks ago that he had sent 
FBI and Attorney General down to Florida to fix the elections. His word, fix the elections. Yeah, he fixed the elections. He just fucking admitted it, confessed to it, and guess what? Nobody's fucking doing anything about it. Speak the fuck up. Call the DOJ, 202-514-2000. Yeah, and I give a lot of credit to her because she said, look, I turned the case over a year ago to the Western District of Michigan, which is a Department of Justice sub, subset, subterritory for the U.S. Attorney's Office. And um, what's going on? Like, I, like, they're not cooperating with her. They're not coordinating with her. They're not communicating with her. So she doesn't really know what's going on with her little panel. Now, she says that independent of that, there are state crimes that may have been, in her view, have been committed with clear evidence, particularly forgery of a public document or forgery of a public record in the election law section of her, of her penal code, of her criminal code. You have 16 fake electors who testified and swore under oath when they signed this ridiculous certificate that they were in the state capitol when they certified the election for Donald Trump. Number of problems with that. They were not in the state capitol, as the Jan 6 committee testimony revealed. They were up the street at the, uh, the GOP headquarters. They later tried to walk to the Capitol, but they were denied entry into the Capitol because while they were meeting, the real electors were meeting inside of the Capitol voting for Joe Biden. And to remind everybody, we talked about this before, there's been a very good change in the law. You know, to your, to your point about the, the, the GOP, the MAGA extremists in the, in the House passing not laws because they're not going to get past the Senate or Joe Biden's veto, but passing bills, lots of bills. Let's get rid of the IRS. Let's get rid of, let's defund the FBI. Let's, let's get rid of Eric Garland, whatever we're going to do. All these bills are going to be floating around. Run on them in their red meat districts and they're trying to be elected. Um, but they, they have also, um, you know, they've also passed laws, or at least one the 118th, 117th Congress passed a law on the way out which now requires every slate of electors and that certificate to be signed by the governor of that state, or if the state constitutes the secretary of state, that's fine. Also, but it has to be signed by the governor, witness dated, and all of that. That would eliminate this problem because the governor of Michigan was not sitting in the GOP headquarters with these other 16 yahoos, you know, forging up fake certificates. Also, the testimony that Nestle referred to came out where they that some of the 16 that signed the fake certificates, they said they didn't even know what they were signing. They said there was a bunch of paperwork. They thought it was ceremonial. They weren't sure why they were there. That's, that's a problem. <clears throat> and then there's also this two-document issue that came out in the Jan 6 that Nestle's aware of, which is the, the head of the Republican Party in Michigan said there was one certificate that basically said if the if the lawsuits are successful that Donald Trump has raised about this big lie, then these will be these new electors. Okay, but that's not the certificate they signed. The certificate they signed just said we are the chosen electors and we vote for Donald Trump, all sixteen of us. So you have a problem there. That's a mens rea criminal intent, criminal mind. If they saw the first one. And they elected not to sign that one because they wanted to send, you know, a more official-looking one over to Congress and to the national and to the national archives. Then that's your 
forge public record issue, which Dana Nessel is now. So she says she's reopening the investigation. She had opened it, referred it to the feds. She doesn't know what's going on. They're not cooperating with her. And she could do parallel prosecution anyway, securing her new four-year term as prosecutor, while we watch what happens with the federal Jack Smith-led investigations into fake electors in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Colorado. Now let's go to district attorneys after hitting AG. First, let's start with the Fulton County District Attorney, Fonnie Willis. She's completed her uh, investigation for now before the special grand jury, which was impaneled. Uh, Georgia Superior Court Judge from Fulton County, Judge McBurney, was presiding over that special uh, grand jury. That special grand jury does not have the power to criminally indict. They do have the power to prepare a report, the report to recommend criminal indictments, which uh, could be followed or not followed. Uh, but at this stage, Bonnie Willis can criminally indict and do whatever she wants to do right now. So she doesn't have to wait for anything. One of the things the special grand jury requested, though, was to make their report Public. I believe Judge McBurney seemed inclined to make it public, but the laws regarding making grand jury reports public versus making special grand jury public is a bit nuanced in Georgia law. So in his order, he's given the uh, Fulton County DA's office and other potential interveners until, I think it was January 24th, to uh, brief the issue about whether or not to make it public. But it's a big deal, Popak, right, that this, that this investigation is now done. And we can see, you know, one of the groups she's investigating are these 16 fake electors in Georgia, among others. But indictments there can be happening pretty soon, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Let me just go through the process, though, of, about what happens next. You got the report. McBurney, who used to be the chief judge, stepped down, but he's still supervising this thing. It's now, based on the report, Bonnie Willis can, um, putting aside publication of the report, which I believe is going to happen uh, off the 24th hearing, he's just giving the time for the media and other people involved to oppose, uh, the media to who wants it released and other people who may want it opposed. She then takes this report and convenes a, a regular grand jury, but she doesn't have to start all over again and bring in all of these live witnesses. There, this is a short-circuited process. Um, short circuit in the sense she's been running the grand jury since May uh, all the way through January. For those that were worried things don't move quickly, they seem to move exceedingly quickly in Fulton County. She's got this thing all wrapped up, and the special grand jury has already been dissolved by McBurney with a stroke of his pen. But she now has the report, and that report's not just like a 10-page term paper that we know from high school. This thing, I'm sure, is a compendium that would rival the one the Jan 6 committee has, has let out. I'm sure it's probably even... Could it be larger given all the witness testimony attached to it? She then takes that report and presents it, if she elects to, to a regular grand jury, reading aloud the testimony, putting in evidence all of the all of the items, like uh, like the documentary items, the evidence, and that jury, not this jury, that jury decides whether they're going to indict. And as Karen Friedman Ignifolo often likes to joke on our podcast. There's a famous line that a good prosecutor could get the uh, grand jury to indict a ham, a ham sandwich. sandwich. So it's pretty likely that that this report, which I'm sure has in its crosshairs as recommendations for indictment, people like Mark Meadows, John Eastman, 
maybe Lindsey Graham, and maybe the big kahuna, Donald J. Trump. Jackass. If that happens, she's not tied to any problems with special counsels. She doesn't have to worry about the politics of indicting a former president. She's got a, she's got her handbook. She's got her owner's manual from the special grand jury, and she runs those plays in front of in front of the regular grand jury, and she gets an indictment, and it doesn't get quashed by a higher authority or the or the attorney general for the state of Georgia. I mean, I guess they could, but I don't think that's how that works. And then that's the way it is. And then lastly, some some people are worried. Well, the governor of Georgia is Republican, so even if some of these Republicans get indicted and even convicted. Couldn't the governor of the state uh, bend over backwards and pardon them? Because we often talk about the pardon process. And the good news in Georgia is they had corrupt governors in the past. So in the 1960s, they took away the right of the governor on his own head to give pardons. And it has to go through a parole and pardon committee, right? Because they, don't, they didn't trust their governors. That's so good. And what a historical <laughs> context there. Pope, I'm coming with the history. And I want to switch gears and go from Georgia. Let's go a little bit north to uh, New York and let's go to Manhattan. Let's talk about the sentencing of the Trump organization there. But from one DA in Fulton County, Phony Willis, to another, Alvin Bragg. I want to say this about Alvin Bragg because Karen Freeman Agnifilo did an interview. We got an exclusive interview with. Uh, Alvin Bragg. It was the most boring interview I've ever heard. Whatever happened with Alvin Bragg and the prosecutors who had been investigating Donald Trump under... Interview subject... Exclamation point. By... to not dead Because Trump wanted 
Versailles Vance, and who had been before a grand jury, and Bragg terminated that grand jury, basically stopped what those investigators were doing, and they resigned and resigned in very public fashion. I'm talking about Carrie Dunn and Mark Pomerantz, two top prosecutors in New York. They submitted a letter of resignation. Um, and I've been very frustrated with Alvin Bragg on a lot of levels, and I think saying frustrated probably puts it lightly. Um, I've been very angry and upset and really not sure what he was doing. But I do want to say this. Of all of the people who we've talked about on Legal AF and throughout the history of time, Alvin Bragg's office is the only one who secured a criminal conviction against the Trump date, right? That's an undisputed fact that I can't deny that the Trump organization was convicted. Um, the sentencing of, you know, the fine was the maximum fine of $1.6 million um, is low and embarrassingly low. But Alvin Bragg got them. That was the maximum that the law allowed him to get. And Alvin Bragg said that he would want more than that um, if he could. You know, he would if, if the law allowed him to get one hundred million dollars, he would have got one hundred million dollars. And perhaps people would have been, oh, Bragg, you know, the criminal penalty for this was one hundred million dollars. And look what Bragg did. And I think there may be a different perspective if the law allowed Bragg to do it, but the law just didn't allow Bragg to do it. But just think about that. If the New York State Legislature said that for these crimes it's $100 million, people would have been like, oh, that's a big win. I also want to say this. What if Alvin Bragg criminally indicts Donald Trump in the next two months or three months or six months? What if that happens? What if Bragg becomes the first uh, district attorney to do that. I mean, we know he's criminally investigating Donald Trump. We know that he's brought in someone named Matthew Colangelo, who's a top prosecutor who worked with the attorney general's office in New York and who was the number three position in all of the Department of Justice, who's uh, civilly prosecuted Donald Trump before and succeeded, who took down the Trump charities and who helped uh, New York Attorney General Letitia James prepare her massive fraud civil lawsuit against Donald Trump seeking at least $250 million. The reason that I don't want to condemn or prejudge Alvin Bragg is because through my own perspective as a lawyer where things don't happen quickly in my cases that I have and things take place over significant time, I know that you, ne you can't necessarily judge somebody by what happens in a year or two years or even three years, because I'll say this, everybody who rightfully is outraged at Alvin Bragg right now, the moment that Bragg criminally indicts, if he does, I think will all of a sudden be saying, okay, Alvin <laughs> Bragg's did a it. hero, Alvin Bragg's great, <laughs> great job, Alvin Bragg, you know, you did it, you know, congratulations, and I think they'll, but... All of this stems from the fact that Trump is such a despicable, flagrant criminal. He has so tortured this country and has put people through such stress and despair. And there doesn't seem to be anyone doing anything about it. And so I understand where, the, I understand where it's coming from. The only perspective that I can provide is, one, that I share the anger, but I can only share with you this alternative perspective, not alternative, I think it's complementary. I could be both incredibly angry at Alvin Bragg, say, what the heck happened with Pomeranz <laughs> and Carrie Dunn, but also at the same time recognize 
that Bragg's the only district attorney in the entire country who's successfully criminally prosecuted a Trump entity to date, that he's continuing to do the investigations, and he's able to take action now that he's built this foundation, frankly, a stronger foundation than we've seen anywhere else in the country right now. I mean, just think about it. There's democratically appointed district attorneys in places across the country and cities across the country that have jurisdiction against Donald Trump who aren't doing anything. They're not getting criticized the same way Alvin Bragg is, but perhaps they should be getting criticized equally because they're doing literally nothing. And they have jurisdiction because Trump businesses are within their purview, but they're not doing anything. Alvin Bragg at least is doing something. Yeah, why not? And my own kind of final view on him is to be determined. But right now I'm angry. I share you, but I want to give you that perspective because I think there's a high likelihood based on the information that he's developed, based on the successful criminal prosecution, the information he's obtained. Yeah, that's fucking amazing. I would be surprised if in March or April you replay this video in January with the criminal indictment and I could point to it and say, look, this is look, I, I, I at least gave you that indication that I thought something like that was ha- that something like that was happening. And remember, there was cooperation between the AG's office and the Manhattan District Attorney's office in this criminal prosecution. Let, let me with, turn to that. Let, let me turn to that one. And so there's a lot of sharing there as well yeah. with what the AG is doing now. So break it yeah. down. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'm gonna I share your view, um, and I want to. <clears throat> We've been covering Alvin Bragg since day one, literally his day one memo, which took he took a lot of heat from having nothing to do with Donald Trump in New York, where I practice. And, um, you know, we know people from that office. Karen Friedman Diffalo is one. We know other people that were in that office that are friends of the show. And so we have a pretty good, you know, insider view of, uh, of uh, what's happening there. And we have been... Proud question. Smiley face. I just wanted to tell you guys. Some time. Collectively, you, me, and Karen have been nuanced and critical when it was appropriate and, and, and saying the jury was out when it was appropriate and being complimentary when it was appropriate about Alvin and about every other prosecutor that's handled. You probably know more about Alvin because it's much more public. So a couple of things that I want to follow up on that you just said. 
I talked earlier tonight about there was a companion piece to the Adult Survivors Act that gets a little play, which is they opened a one-year window at the same time that they opened a new 20-year prospective statute of limitations. Things fit together like puzzle pieces, especially in a state like New York. And if the legislature has on the books very low penalties for criminal penalties related to a corporation and a fine, which is what, which is the brick wall that Alvin Bragg and his office ran into, because it's on the books and you can only prosecute up to the level, the limits of that. At the same time, in a symmetrical way, there are very strenuous, more so than probably any, I'll go out on the limb, probably any other state in America, the the attorney general for the state of New York in a civil setting has the most aggressive amount of power and authority and remedies at her disposal for ongoing fraud than any attorney general in in the other 49 states. And the legislature knows that it has a supremely turbocharged and powerful attorney general on the civil side to go after companies because mainly, mostly, the vast majority governments, states, go after companies that are bad people, bad actors, <laughs> civilly, not criminally. The ride is criminal, like it did for Trump's organizations. Then you go for the criminal, too. But you always go for the civil, because in most contexts, the civil gets you what you want in terms of shutting down the company, shutting down the officers and directors from future serving in that role, and getting lots of money, maybe all the money, and giving the company the death penalty. Those are things you can't get on the criminal side. People would like it to be. So you have to understand the civil and criminal uh, pieces that fit together, I think, perfectly in the state of New York, who is, if, who is, if not the... Uh, capital of business in the world, one of the capitals of business in the world, and trade. So they have on the books this. So we can't just look at it like Alvin only got 1.6 million, what a low number. It has nothing to do with him. It has to do with the statutory scheme set up criminally, knowing that on the other side, and we're seeing it, we're seeing it right now, because not only did Alvin Bragg's office work hand in glove with, with um, attorneys from each office being deputized in the other with Tish James's New York Attorney General's office doing a joint investigation, one prosecuting one civil remedies on one side. So we look now, what is she doing against Trump himself, the Trump children, in the trial that's going also very, very soon in Judge, um, um, uh, in Judge Engeron's courtroom on civil fraud? She's getting the $250 million plus in disgorgement. She may get the death penalty for the companies. She may get the, the kids and Trump never being able to be officers of a corporation in the state of New York or a public company again. Yeah. That's happening over there. So it's not that I'm giving credit to Alvin Bragg for what Tish James is doing, but I'm saying they had worked cohesively up to the limits of their power and their authority. Now, we had, yes, we had Alvin Bragg on. We may, I can't really reveal because I don't know yet, we may have other people in the future that will tell the other side of the story related to the decision to prosecute. <laughs> who are potentially very critical <laughs> to give right. you different right. perspectives. We may have those people. What we're trying to do on this show is 95% of the legal commentary based on our ex expertise and our knowledge as working attorneys 
and, and, and with the political legal component combined, that's what we do. Where we can reach out and bring a guest, and we've brought a half a dozen guests on, from Robbie Kaplan, now through Alvin Bragg, at different points on the show. We do it in a respectful way to get their side of the story out, understanding that we'll be critical along the way in the show as we tell our stories, as we critique the events. Okay, we don't pull punches there. And then we may, to kind of balance it, bring in the other side. Be patient. We may be able to bring here's in the other the thing, side. Here's the thing, Popak, when we talk about the other side, what we are talking still is about both sides of democracy. <laughs> right. And, and we're, talking about the, the, we're talking about it's all within democracy. What we will never do here is we're never going to platform someone who attacks the democracy and allow them to spew lies. There's a big distinction there that I think when we're talking about the other side, where I think there is healthy debates that used to always exist and that MAGA has utterly destroyed, is that we both, we all agreed, hey, we should be supporting NATO. Well, now you have Republicans who believe, no, 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 we should be supporting Putin and Kim Jong-un and authoritarians, and we should be we should be the ones who champion Bolsonaro in Brazil. And we should do, you know, champion, you know, authoritarians, you know, leaders in Europe to, to help a movement of fascism. Like, that's a, that's a big distinction of where America has gone, that you have a major political party that does that. What the media does when they both sides the issues and say, oh, there's Republicans and Democrats. No, they call the fascists the fascists. You got to call them out for what they're doing. But where we want to be respectful here is where there are people who are talking about the goals and objectives of our democracy to not be or not utilize the platform to inject our cross exam and make ourselves the stars of the interview. And so often when you see guests who come on here, what I think we do different, as long as they're pro-democracy, then what you'll see on a lot of other networks is you'll see the interviewer speak for three minutes, and then they'll have the person answering the question speak for 30 seconds in a soundbite. Like, I don't even know what they, what, they, what they think. So here, you could watch the interview of one side of democracy, and as part of the same the democracy side, you'll hear other views. And then you could come along and say, you know what? I disagree with that. I like that. But at least you're getting data and information within which to make your decision. But it's well, a great let me, point let me, let me make Let me make one other on that same note. The thing that he gets the most flack about, and I agree with you that we have to give him credit for 17-0 in felony convictions against the two major Trump uh, companies. That's fucking amazing. Possible, but we can quibble Venom, about thank you. Thank you, Note. The lead cooperating witness, but I don't think there's any anybody should doubt that without a reasonable cooperative, um, Alan Weissman, they do not come home with 17 convictions. And as Karen put it, now that the floodgates have opened and the signal has gone out to all other prosecutors, hey, you can bring down Donald Trump. You can convince a jury. That there is criminal, that there is a criminal act that's been committed, and walk out with a conviction, which is very empowering to other. Um, don't think other prosecutors don't look at those types of things. They they really do. 
As to the, you know, what he gets the most flack about, which is why didn't he pick up where Cy Vance left off and it, and it the recommendations of Dunn and Pomerantz, his special, the special prosecutors that were in place when he took the office, and prosecute Donald Trump. Why didn't he do that? And yes, we all, but we have to acknowledge as, as thinking conscientious adults that there is two sides to the story. I could, I could easily, I'm not going to take the time here, I could easily explain to you the reason the new prosecutor Tish, having, James. Down, having the presentation made to him by the two that he inherited whose only jobs were to decide whether Donald Trump committed a crime or not, made the uh, made his own decision not to go forward at that moment based on that, and then the other two left sort of in a huff and have written a book. I get it. But I also get the other side, which is, why didn't he? He was on a silver platter with a ribbon around it. We wanted him to do it, and the timing and all of that. I get both sides. Both sides of democracy, both sides of a legitimate debate that you could have about whether a prosecutor has properly and timely exercised his obligations and duties as a prosecutor. That is a debate we want to have, and that's the reason we're bringing on not just Alvin, but other people, and maybe Alvin in the future, you know, but, but other people that supplement and complement what we're trying to accomplish on this show. Appreciate that perspective, Popak, and I hope you all appreciate the perspective and the thoughtfulness and the research that we bring to these episodes. We spend a lot of time, of course, preparing them because we're so grateful for the Midas Mighty community out there. Each and every one of you are the reason that this community exists, the reason we can spread these unapologetically pro-democracy messages, and I think just speak the way the media has failed to do in kind of clear, detailed ways and provide you the full uh, story of what's really going on. I want everyone to check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. We've got lots of exclusive content that you can only get on our Patreon site, but most importantly, it helps grow this independent media platform. And in addition to going to patreon.com slash Midas Touch, go to store.midastouch.com to get the best Midas Touch gear. And we've got great legal layout gear as well. Everything's 100% made in the U.S., 100% union made. It's store.midastouch.com. Rock that Midas Touch gear. Also, special thanks to our sponsors, Athletic Greens. You can check out the great discounts that we've negotiated with them for you at athleticgreens.com slash legalaf. Athleticgreens.com slash legalaf. And for Masterworks, you can check it out at masterworks.art, A-R-T, slash Legal AF, and uh, we appreciate our sponsors who help us be able to bring in researchers and editors and to pull this all together. Um, thank you, everyone. Popot, great spending this weekend with you. want to give a special thanks to everybody watching it. Hit the subscribe button. It's important to subscribe. 
And also, while you're at it, make sure you subscribe uh, wherever Illegal AF is available. That means if you watch this on YouTube, subscribe on the audio, wherever you get your podcast, because this is an audio podcast as well. Um, go search audio podcast right now, Legal AF, and hit subscribe. And for all those who just listen in audio, there's also a video component to this as well. Um, so go search on YouTube for uh, Midas Touch, and you will be able to subscribe and get these Legal AF lives. Such consequential legal news, a pleasure bringing it to all of you with Michael Popak. We will see you at the midweek with Popak and Karen Friedman at Nippolo. And then we'll see you next week. Yeah. Um. Let's see what's our name. Ah, <clears throat> uh, funny. Okay, um, I just touch. My just touch, my just touch podcast. Um, two more people. Democracy Now! Democrats.
Institute, where's just the regular caucus? Okay. Okay, trying to take a picture. Oh yeah, we go. They they fucked it fucked it up. Holy shit, it disappeared. Um, Elon destroyed my tweet. Lefter. Lefty is lefters. <laughs> lefters. I'm a lefter. Hey, colonizer. Hey, colonizer. <laughs> Nazi fucks. Lord Elon. <laughs> Biden lied. There were no Chinese pie balloons over America during Trump presidency. Right, so if you're still there, so I just sent that. I'm gonna send it on Instagram. Maybe I'll every every morning put up a. Uh, you know, something that I've been censored on that day. 
Something now is centered. Okay. Alright. And then um Thank you, excellent. Phyllis. See how that sounds. Thank you, excellent black people like Tish James, Alvin Bragg, and Fanny. Thank you, excellent. Thank you, excellent black people like. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Some music, musica, sorts musica, how about the hell?
Christ, Fanny's Lewis. Thank you.
yourself. Black History Month, Black History. Okay, great. Good job, just uh, tag people.